glad you've arrived at the end of the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3, day 5. We're going to be looking today at uh, these verses that sort of close up the book, but there are some there are some things in these verses that really hit the practical life of faith. But before looking at verses 12 to 15, just a quick question about the book of Titus. Why is Titus in the Bible? If you read through the Bible, you'll find that most of what we read in Titus, we also read in Timothy. So why do we have it from two places? Paul wrote Timothy as somebody who was leading a group of churches in an area, and he told him how to handle false teaching. And he told him how to bring new leaders into the church. And he told him how to be devoted himself as a leader, as a follower of Christ. And he also writes Titus, who's leading a group of churches. And he tells him how to develop new leaders. He tells him how to handle false teaching. He tells him how to be devoted. Why are there both books in the New Testament? It's interesting to me. I don't know all the reasons, by the way. It's in the hand of God. But it is interesting to me that the New Testament is intentionally repetitive. God says it more than once. Maybe because I need to hear it more than once to really hear it. That's why there are four Gospels. There could just be one Gospel. You could just call it the Gospel. Maybe Matthew wrote it. Maybe Mark was the one that was used to write it. Maybe it was Luke. But they wouldn't be named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They'd just be named the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'd know that Matthew happened to be the writer. No, we have it named by the four different people that were involved in the writing of these Gospels. Why? so we could hear it four times, so we could hear it from four different perspectives, so we could hear it in four different ways. There's something about being repetitive that helps me to hear the truth in a better way to live the truth. Same thing is true with Timothy and with Titus. It also, by the way, on a broader perspective, increases the reliability of the truth. When I see it in these four different ways, it's like having four different eyewitnesses to the truth of God in our lives. Now, with that in mind, Let's jump into these last verses in the book of Titus. First, some greetings that Paul gives in verses 12 and 13. He says in verse 12, As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, and see that they have everything that they need. Lots of names in these verses. Artemis and Tychicus and Nicopolis and Zenos and... I always say to people, when you see a lot of names in a verse, you're in a small group Bible study, and they say, would you read this passage? And it happens to have 57 names in two verses. And you think, I'm never going to get all those names right. Here's my advice to you. Read them confidently. Even if you read them wrong, no one else knows how to pronounce them either. So they're all going to think, oh, that's the way you pronounce that name. If you read these names in, in these verses, they really talk about the friendships of Paul. Paul served God in a team. If you have any idea in your mind that Paul was a lonely apostle out there, and it's just him and God, him and Jesus, and they're out there making a difference in the world for God's sake, you've missed the point of the New Testament. Missed the point of Acts. Paul served in a team. And if you want to make a difference for God in your life, you have to serve in a team. Now, the names of people here, we don't know all that these people did. Artemis, he's unknown except for in this one mention. We don't know how he served Paul or what he did together with Paul, but we know that he served. Tychicus, he is well known. We hear him at the end of many of the New Testament letters. He helped to pen some of these letters. I don't mean he helped to write them. I mean he acted as a scribe for Paul. He was also one who acted as a mailman. He took some of these letters, but he was more than scribe and mailman. Here, it's either Artemis or Tychicus who is going to stay and continue to lead these churches. So from doing the details of life with Paul 
to the great leadership moments of life, helping to lead these new churches. They were involved in it all. That's what it means to be part of a team. You do the little things and you do the big things. Here you have Zenos mentioned. It's the only mention of a lawyer in the Bible. And I know there's, there's a lot of lawyer jokes out there. and Here might be an opportunity for one. But instead of that, it's just a reminder that God uses whatever profession he has trained us for. He can use it for his sake. He says not just Zenos, but Zenos the lawyer. And that says to me that somehow the fact that he was a lawyer not only identified him, but it also somehow it was part of how God used him in the New Testament church. And then he also mentions Apollos. Apollos, a teacher along with Paul, an interesting relationship in his life, a partnership. A lot of different relationships in these few verses. These relationships all go to the fact that God wants you to serve him together with a team. Who's your team? Who are the other people in your life? They may be some of them in your family. They may be in your church. They may be people that are far and wide, that together you encourage each other in living out the life of faith. Being and doing what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do. Now, in verse 14, there is this one final word on the life of practical faith. Verse 14 says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. We've read a lot about devotion in this chapter. I said at the beginning, it's about being devoted. We want to be devoted to being subject to the community that is around us. Here, be devoted to doing what is good. Why? In order that they may provide for daily necessities. This is talking about your job. Do good things, earn a good salary if you can, so you can live a productive life. Don't live an unproductive life. Live a productive life. Now, this isn't capitalism. That's not what this is talking about here. This is living out the life of faith. And there are some in the early church who had mistaken the life of faith for a life of laziness. They thought Jesus Christ is coming again at any moment. So that means that I can quit my job. That means I can take whatever little I have saved. And for them, that meant food in the storeroom. And I'll just eat on that the next few weeks or the next few months. And then Jesus will come again. The command in the New Testament is whenever Jesus comes again, you want to live a productive life right now. That's part of faith. It's part of your witness. Providing for the daily necessities, not living unproductive lives, because that is part of the witness that you have in this world. However strongly you can talk about love, however great may be your spiritual accomplishments. I went to this retreat. I prayed for this long. I read through the Bible this quickly. I wrote this kind of stuff in my journal. If you want to really reach the world for Jesus Christ, you also have to connect with the world. And the world's working. The world's producing. The world's working for you and producing for you. And if you rely on their work and their production without you working and producing in some way that helps them, then you've lost your witness. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what Paul is helping us to understand here. So you think, well, as a, as a Christian, why should I work, really? Why, why should I do something that seems so menial? Some of you have a job as you listen to this. It doesn't seem like what you're doing really makes much of a difference for eternity's sake. Oh, you never know. You never know how somebody else is watching you. You never know how the fact that you're willing to do that and still have a smile on your face because of God's blessings in your life is changing somebody else's life. Many, many, many times you earn the right to be heard by these small acts of kindness that you do. And your work may very well be one of those small acts of kindness that's done for someone. So do it in kindness. Learn to devote yourself, 
Not just put up with doing what's good, but you devote yourself to doing what is good because you recognize the good that God does through it in your life. Well, then Paul ends the book, verse 15. He says, everyone with me, again, he's part of a team. There's others that are with him. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. To me, the most amazing word is grace. At the beginning of this book, we heard about the grace of peace of God in Jesus Christ. And here at the end, it's grace be with you all. Grace at the beginning, grace at the end, and there was grace in the middle, salvation that God gave us through Jesus Christ. That's how I want to live my life. That's how I'd like you to be able to live your life. And that's how I believe you want to live your life. Grace at the beginning, grace at the end, grace in the middle. The only way I know to do that is day by day, moment by moment even. Grace at the beginning of the day, recognizing God's given me this day as a gift. And he's given me salvation as a gift. So I live it in a different way than I would have lived it otherwise. And grace at the end of the day, recognizing whether by my standard I succeeded or failed in that day, or even by God's standard. Maybe there was a sin in my life that day. That grace covers it all. That it was a day of grace. But also grace in the middle. Not just, not just settling for it being a day of grace, but asking that the grace of God in Jesus Christ would motivate the good works that he wants to be worked in my life. I'm not motivated by guilt. I'm not motivated by fear. But God, please help me to be motivated instead by grace, grace in the middle. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that God saved us, not because of anything we've done, but because of his grace in Jesus Christ. So that having been saved, by that same grace, we would be able to do the good works that he has prepared for us to do. That's the grace in the middle of every day. Starting by grace, ending by grace, living by grace. That's how you really make an impact. This book is all about how to make an impact. And we've talked about being selective in what you hear, being attractive in how you are, who you are, being devoted to the things that God wants us to be devoted to. If that today seems overwhelming in any way, go back to grace. You start with grace. You end with grace, you live with grace. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your grace. The grace that's poured out on us because of the cross. The grace that comes to us because of your love. And I pray that your grace would be the mark of my life. We pray together that your grace would be the mark of our lives this day. Let my life be marked by grace. Let my actions be marked by grace. Let my conversations be marked by grace. Let my mistakes and my sins even be marked by grace, recognizing I'm forgiven, recognizing I can be restored. Let my life be marked by grace, Jesus. In your name, amen. That finishes this book of Titus. I hope that next week you will continue with us as we continue in daily Drive Time Devotions, or you'll go to drivetimedevotions.com. It's drivetimedevotions.com, and there you can pick any of the books that we've already done and study that book. I am thrilled that you made it all the way through the book of Titus. It says about your heart, your life, that you want the word to impact my life. You want the word to impact your life. And that is my prayer as we go forward. Let God's word impact our lives for God's glory. 